The Apostle Paul stated to Timothy at the end of 2 Timothy 4, be sure to bring the code I left at Carpus and bring my books and especially my papers. On this episode of Keeping It Real, it's part two of my interview with Frank Viola, the author of many powerful books, including his newly released book, 48 Laws of Spiritual Power. Now, I've been clear on this podcast that there's no piece of writing that can change a person's heart and life like the divinely inspired Word of God, known as the Bible, can. But there are books that the Lord can use and has used to tremendously impact people as well. 48 Laws of Spiritual Power is such a book. If you missed part one of my interview with Frank, I greatly encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. But stay tuned as part two begins now. The 13th spiritual law of the book mm -hmm. uh, says, be a reservoir, not a canal. I greatly enjoyed this one. Mm -hmm. This one mostly relates to people who preach and teach. Yes. However, can you explain the difference between the two, being a reservoir versus being a canal? Yes. Well, I got the initial language from this. I borrowed it from Bernard of Clairvaux. Let me say that again. I can't speak English, folks. Bernard <laughs> of Clairvaux. And uh, some people call him Saint Bernard, but you don't want to do that because that's the name of a dog. Um, he said basically that... I've never met him and don't know him, but I would imagine not. <laughs> right. <laughs> he said, the man who is wise will see his life is more like a reservoir than a canal. Mm. The canal pours out what it receives immediately. The reservoir retains the water until it is filled and then it discharges the overflow without loss to itself. And I quote him in the book, by the way, uh, saying that very thing, just slightly different. But the disease of being more ready to speak than to listen, the disease of wanting to minister and teach over against receiving and learning and experiencing it before you teach it to other people is basically pandemic among ministers oh. you know pastors teachers preachers etc pandemic the word that everybody's familiar with now these days right exactly it's a virus mm. and if you think about a canal a canal is always in a rush it gives out as soon as it receives there's no time to experience what it's receiving, what it's discovering before it dishes it out. So the chapter is really about learning how to experience from the Lord, whatever the Lord has given you in whatever way, before you turn around and preach it, before you turn around and teach it, before you turn around and in effect, dish it out to other people. I make a statement in the book, preaching is like cooking. So you want to taste test yeah. and prove it in your own life before you preach it to other people. And so, you know, most ministers today that I have known are not good at this. In fact, it's not even on their radar. If they're reading the Bible, if they're listening to someone else preach or teach, if they are reading a book, the mindset that's in most minds of ministers is, will this preach? Yeah. Where can I preach this? Yeah. <laughs> Rather than, how can I experience this myself? You know, ministry of real impact that bears fruit comes out of a person who has received and experienced for a time what they have learned before they turn around and share it with someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good word, Frank. And uh, I think that gets produced from, you say, a lot of ministers and, and pastors uh, don't get it or don't get that. 
Uh, I think it would it be fair to say it comes out in their preaching. It comes out in their teaching, would it not? Absolutely. A Christian who is discerning will know if what they're hearing is life or not, if it's just dead knowledge or if it's living. Those who don't have discernment, they'll just get jazzed about it because it might be new to them or it's a different way of looking at it. But you can have innovative ideas and present you know, uh, concepts from scripture that are interesting, but there's no life behind it. Right, right. And it's the life that makes a change in people's hearts and in their spirits. Yeah. And Jesus uh, is the one that came and said, I've come to give you life and have it to the full or to have it more abundantly, as another translation says. And he even went off. The Lord Jesus himself went off to quiet places to get with his father, to spend time in prayer. But also, I believe that there was a great amount of purpose in it, and that is to continually have his own reservoir filled up, overflowing, yes. so that when it was time to minister again, he was bringing it. It wasn't yeah. it uh -huh. wasn't watered down. It wasn't diluted. I've heard you use the word diluted a lot, which I am definite in definite agreement with. Which what is happening nowadays a lot. Mm. Um, he brought life and it, it was, I think, so captivating for people that were willing to just go far and wide or to go through extraordinary circumstances to meet him in their time of need. I definitely want to uh, put a plug in to, uh, to your, uh, work, uh, insurgents reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, it's a book that you have oftentimes stated is your greatest contribution of all of your works. I mean, all of your works are dynamite, but that one, if there is one that probably stands out, it could very well be that one. And mm -hmm. again, the chapters are short. It's, it's an easier read than most books, uh, mm -hmm. just for that fact. Um, but insurgents reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. As I mentioned earlier, I've listened to the podcast, some of the episodes more than once, mm. and it is just, it is heart shattering to, mm. to be exposed to the content of that book and that podcast. And so when you talk about co-laboring for the gospel of the kingdom, that is, I, I'm, I'm right on cue with that, brother. I mean, you're, mm. I mean, it's, it, but it, I also agree in what you said. It's such a hard thing to come by because as you cited, people are looking to do their solo thing, but also may I, at least with, with the very, you know, limited experience that I have, um, is a lot of Christians are comfortable with where they are. Mm -hmm. They're not looking to take the chance to get rub shoulders with someone else, to really exhaust themselves on how God has actually called us to co-labor. Right. And instead, they're comfortable with, you know, their, their rituals of week to week, what they've known for so long. I, I mean, would that be fair to say that there's so many Christians that are that it's it is such a hard thing to break old habits are hard to break right and especially if there's an emotional attachment to them or whether if it's in the principles found from eternity to here or uh in in another fairly recent work uh hang on let go which i enjoyed that read tremendously or even in this book 48 laws of spiritual power 
people are still comfortable with where they've been and where they are. Yeah, no, I think that would mark probably the majority of the Christian faith. It really takes something of the Lord to shake somebody up mm -hmm. and make them desperate and kind of show their spiritual poverty. I'm I'm giving firsthand testimony. This is what happened to me. Yeah. I got very comfortable in the various denominations for a time that I was a part of, movements, parachurch organizations. You name it, I was a part of it at some point. I was a young person. I was a young man. Yeah. And I don't know what it was, but through the Lord's working, I always had this hunger and drive, this um, thirst, and this inward knowledge that there had to be more. Mm. I have met many Christians where that's not there. Maybe the cost is too high. Maybe God has not shaken them up through their circumstances yeah, enough yeah. where they say, I am spiritually blind and impoverished. I need something more of him. Yeah. Uh, I want to see him like never before. And so my ministry really is for those people who are on that same journey of wanting more, right? Knowing there has to be more. Well, what is it? Like the deer that pants after the water brook, as it says in Psalms, right? Yeah. So, for example, you know, my ministry is pretty much met with monumental disinterest for the average Christian who just likes to go to church, you know, Sunday morning, pay their two hours of sitting in the pew, listening to the nice sermon that makes them feel good, throw money into the offering plate, sing a few songs, go home and live their individual Christian lives and uh, get absorbed with whatever their hobbies are. Right. I mean, that is the majority of Christians today, whether it's right or wrong, whether you applaud it or not. And so a, a Christian like that is just disinterested in what I have to offer. On the other hand, the people who are really going after God and the people who know in their bones there has to be more, these are the people who read my work, listen to my podcasts, invite me to conferences and churches and so forth. So my ministry is not for everyone. And my feeling is if it was for everyone, it would be mediocre because mm -hmm. If you have a product, just shift it over to the, the business world. If you have a product that's for everybody, it's average. <laughs> okay. If that. <laughs> I'm out here in the extremes, whether you like that or not, there are those of us who want more. We want more of the Lord and we want to go deeper in him. We want to understand the scriptures in ways that bring life and rivet us and captivate us and blow our minds. This is my world. Well, uh, praise the Lord and uh, definitely appreciate you uh, relaying that here to the listening audience. We're going to start now the, the wind down portion of this episode, but not to uh, mitigate it in any way, because you have these codas at the end of the book, 48 Laws of Spiritual Power, right. that are very much apart, even though they're not, you know, they're not laws 49, 50, 51, and so forth. They are equally, the content there is equally as important as what's in the 48 laws. Mm -hmm. So you call them codas. They're these extra chapters at the end. Mm -hmm. And the book also has a webpage mm -hmm. with more chapters and audio teachings mm -hmm. that go along with the theme of spiritual yeah. power. Can yeah. you tell us about these extra codas and the audios that are on that supplemental website? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because uh, I've had some readers say, I loved your book, read all 48 laws, 
And then when I've probed and said, well, what did you think about the CODIS? Well, I didn't get to those. I didn't see those or I didn't read those. And what about the website that's mentioned that has more CODAs and audios? Well, I, I didn't even see that. So for some reason, I think some readers are conditioned that after you read the main chapters, you're done. Right. But I added these CODAs because they're not exactly laws, but they do address spiritual power in ways that the chapters don't. And the reason why I have extra CODAs on a supplemental website is because I didn't want the book to be 500 pages long. A fan of the shorter book and smaller chapters. I mean, yeah, I, I exactly. Yeah. Well, so let me just read off real quick the codas that are in the book. So after you get to the 48 laws, uh, you've read all those chapters, all those laws. Then you hit the postlude, straight talk to leaders. All right. And there's a, a chapter on that. Then you have Coda 1, The Danger of God's Power. Let me tell you something. That's probably one of the most important chapters I've ever written. Mm. It's completely counterintuitive, especially if you have any charismatic listeners. That's my world. That's what I came out of. They really should read that. And by the way, I'm still a charismatic, but I'm a post-charismatic, so I'm not typical. <laughs> yeah. um, Coda 2 is called Three Instruments. Coda 3 is called When Christian Leaders Deny the Faith. Code of four is called passing the torch and code of five is called a Nicodemus moment. And all of those codas are extremely important. And that's why I put them in the book. And then if you go to the supplemental webpage, which is listed, the URL is right there in the book. We have code of six, which is called toss out your notes. Hmm. And this is for preachers and teachers. Coda seven is called practice radical generosity coda eight is called discouraged by better preachers now this is a word to everybody who ministers preaches teaches whatever coda nine is called stealing borrowing and inspiring and this has to do with stealing sermons and borrowing sermons or being inspired by sermons and there's a difference yeah. coda 10 three laws of the harvest and coda 11 five must read books and these would be books I'd recommend after a person has read all the codas, listened to audios that are on the supplemental page, finished 48 Laws of Spiritual Power in totality. These are five more books to read. Again, very vital information. I want to draw, just take a quick moment to draw out a nugget that's in that first coda that you mentioned. The earth does not need more outwardly powerful people. It needs inwardly transformed people. And listen, folks, um, if you've caught on to anything in this episode of the podcast, and it's certainly my hope that you've caught on to many things or multiple things, if there's one thing that has been of emphasis, it is that Christ is looking to radically transform us. Mm -hmm. And that is the essence of all of Brother Frank's books, including 48 Laws of Spiritual Power. I got three questions about your vision for a ministry dream team, and here they are. Number one, if and when your dream team comes together, what are some of the things that you would be doing? I love this question because as Christians, we can dream. And I've had a dream in my heart a long time for a ministry dream team, almost like a super group, you know, when you <laughs> uh, listen to music. I have a star team of sorts, right? Yeah, exactly. All star. Yeah. However you want to put it, but a team of peers 
that are standing arm in arm and doing the Lord's work together. I have a folder in my study called the Dream Team, and I, I just pulled out the sheet. Here are some of the components of what we would do together. We would have a website, one website where we would all contribute articles, audios, promote conferences. Secondly, we would promote conferences, and we would speak in those conferences together. Mm. So it wouldn't be a solo act. It would be a team doing it together. And our target would be serious followers of Jesus Christ in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. Now, it would be open to all. So we'd have older folks and we'd have younger folks. Sure. But the main target would be the 20s, 30s, and 40s who are really serious about the Lord. We would establish kingdom cells, mm. two, four, eight, and 12 people. These would be the seeds of the insurgents. I talk about kingdom cells in the book, Insurgents. Uh, we would have in-person meetings where we would have prayer and fellowship. So if we're all living in different states, we'd get on a plane, we'd descend in some hotel, and we'd spend three, four days together praying, strategizing, brainstorming, writing messages together, things of that nature. Then we would peer review each other's articles and books in the spirit of the inklings uh, that Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were part of. Mm. We would also have some vacation times where we'd bring our spouses and maybe go on a cruise, a seven-day cruise, <laughs> and have fellowship. And also we'd you know, discuss the work of the Lord in settings like that. We would co-author books. Mm. I mean, just think of, for your listening audience, some of your three of your favorite authors, Christian authors. Imagine them writing a book together. Wow. Imagine them speaking at conferences together. Yeah. Imagine them having this close-knit relationship where they're locking arms and standing, you know, in unity, doing God's work together. That's what it is. And basically, we would cause a ruckus. Mm. We would cause an upheaval, an eruption. Well, isn't uh, that kind of what the New Testament church did or what they were <laughs> You had men co-working together. Yeah, yeah. You well, had... there were lots of ruckuses, let me tell you. Exactly. I mean, sure, in the beginning of Acts, we're in the Sanhedrin, had Peter and John, and oh boy. Well, exactly. And to use the King James language, we would cause no small stir. <laughs> uh, it would be great. And so it's a vision that is burned in my heart for a long time. I have an article called my vision for a ministry dream team. So it's out there. It's out there. I give specific instructions on how people can use it to help put this dream team together. So, so yeah, I'm glad you asked me that question. The next one, number two would be, I understand that there was an article that came out when you put out your breakthrough book, Insurgents, Reclaiming of the Gospel. We've already alluded to it. And it came, that book came out in 2018. Do you think readers of the article have been using it the way it was intended or the way it was designed, which is to pass it on to people who fit the criteria at the end of the article? The answer to that question is no. I don't think it has been used the way it was designed. Mm. Just so your listeners know, Although I have this vision of a ministry dream team, I have never felt the liberty in the Lord to try to put it together directly myself. Uh. Instead, the liberty I have is to put out the word about it, which I'm doing in this podcast. I've done it in other podcasts. And also there's an article on my blog called, or my website called, My Vision of a Ministry Dream Team. And it's a short article, but it explains the vision all right, which I kind of outlined with you not long ago. But at the very end, it says, here's how to use it. If you can think of someone who you would consider to be my peer, all right, 
then give this article to them because it explains how that person can reach me. And the idea would be various people would be led of the Lord to give it to certain people who would be true peers of mine and say, hey, I think you'd be a perfect fit for Viola's ministry dream team. Please read this article. And if you agree with me, you resonate with that, go ahead and reach out to them. I don't think it's been used that way. I don't know why. I, I would think someone who's invested in the Lord's work and they've really caught on to what I have put out, my contribution, and are in line with it and have been helped by it would really want to see such a team come to pass and would have people in mind that, that they would want to see on this team. Now, one of the caveats, and I mentioned this in the article, Ollie, is that some of my peers are not accessible. But you can still get to them by going to their website, talking to their secretary, or even going to their publishers and saying, you know, hey, you have this author. I want to give this article to them and I want them to see my email because, you know, it's coming from me, a reader. Hey, I think you'd be a good fit for this. Please pass it on to whoever it is, you know, Joe Scalabeep, whoever the author is. And they can go to the publisher and the publisher will give it to them if they're inaccessible. Okay. Well, that's all exciting stuff. I can't wait to see what or how the Lord is going to work in that in the coming in the coming days i can't wait to to hear about it me too <laughs> yeah well i would imagine so and as frank mentions this whole concept of a ministry dream team I, I, you know i couldn't help but to think back number of years ago in the nba they assembled a dream team that went to the olympics mm. 12 of the best basketball players to have ever played I am going to be in prayer, brother, that spiritually speaking, this dream team that you're looking to assemble will blow that dream team out of the water. Okay, Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley and Akeem Olajuwon could play basketball real well, and they blew everybody away that they played in the Olympics. But man, there's nothing like the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and man, if there is a movement, if there is ever a time for the situation to be for for the situation to be as ripe as it is now mm. man the time is now i just can't wait to hear reports about this ministry dream team you're looking to assemble well thank you brother i i appreciate that and again it's in the lord's hands so prayer is prayer is the way to go and action if someone you know resonates with that article and they know somebody or can think of somebody they may not know them personally they probably won't who fits the fits the bill then um yeah i hope they pass it on to them and let's see what the holy spirit does well, amen brother well frank um i have never met you personally we have never met each other but uh, i feel as though especially after our time here and from reading your works, I, I, I feel like we grew up together. <laughs> I mean, it's um, been a blessing. And uh, for those that have uh, listened uh, to these uh, episodes of the podcast, I greatly encourage you to share it with your peeps, uh, friends, family, neighbors, uh, people that you don't even know. Just share it because mm -hmm. <laughs> this information, uh, the content in this book in particular, 48 Laws of Spiritual Power, could really change their life. And again, it's written primarily uh, for those that are seeking something uh, way beyond, uh, for, for Christians especially, but, and it's a very powerful book. You can go to Frank Viola's website. Uh, Frank, if you wanna point people there, feel free, go ahead. 
Yeah, it's just frankviola.org. And then also, if they want to check out that particular book, 48 Laws of Spiritual Power, test drive it, sample it, uh, listen to some more interviews about it, they can go to 48laws, that's 48, the numbers, laws.com, and it'll take them to the site. Mm. Well, thank you so much. And I hope that we get a chance to do this up again sometime. I'd love to. It's been my honor. Thanks so much, brother.